Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. I got something here. I want you, I've got a number for you. Seven billion. 864,563,742 plus. If you know what that number is, write it in the comments. What do you think it is? It is the world population. Actually, the last four, yeah, probably four numbers aren't accurate because it just keeps going up and up and up. I think the number is 120 people were added just yesterday. Isn't that crazy? It's bizarre. Seven billion. 7.8 billion, we'll just kind of stick with that. But here's what's something interesting. I think it was October 2011 when the earth hit the 2 billion, or sorry, 7 billion mark. And get this, do you know how much 7 billion is? It would take you 200 years to count to 7 billion out loud. Isn't that crazy? I just, it's bizarre. Media, go ahead, you can put up this next slide. This, this picture of all these cute little stick people, it's so cool. Get this, it's from a website, don't go there now, but you can check it out, at late, check out later, it's called 7billionworld.com, that's 7billionworld.com. It's a website that shows 7 billion people, all those little stick figures, 7 billion people. You know how big that webpage is? It is one mile high and 800 feet wide. Isn't that crazy? It is staggering. Okay, but this next one is even, it is even more staggering. You're not going to see me, but I'm going to keep talking. Go ahead and roll this weird video. It is not a static video. This is an image of static. It's over, it's 7 billion pixels that are going across your screen in a few seconds. Here's what's staggering. This is only a portion of it. Seven billion individual pixel, pixels, one million pixels per second turns into an, a whole video that is one hour, 56 minutes, and 40 seconds of what you just saw on the screen. Isn't that bizarre? It is staggering. It's just staggering to think about that many humans, unique humans. Every one of us, every one of those 7.8 billion, 5637, is beyond that now. But every one of those 7.8 billion, a unique image bearer of God. 7,864,563,742 unique reflections of God. 7,864,000 million, 563,742 unique ways of expressing God's goodness, God's love, God's kindness, God's patience, God's justice, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's grace. Every one of those expressions is unique. And see, the way I would express God's kindness is going to be different than the way you express God's kindness. And both those expressions are absolutely needed. You know why? Because God is just that big. God is just that big. 
And you know what? We've been on this series called Garden City, a new way to be human. And you know, we've been talking a lot about our purpose and identity and work and, and actually what it means to live as a true human being. And I emphasize that true because just because you're a human doesn't mean you're living as the true human being that God created and God designed you to live. And, you know, I think we're all very familiar with that, that fact that a lot of times we bump into human beings. I'm not talking physically or maybe, probably not now because we're supposed to be separated and distant, but we, we cross paths with human beings that we're like, okay, like you're acting more like an animal than a human. Isn't this true? So there is a way to be human and then there's a way to be a true human. And this is what we've been looking at. And, you know, in the series, we've been, we've been talking a lot about our broad purpose. We're image bearers that partner with God to bring about what, what Scripture describes in, in this word shalom. Now, shalom in its real, we usually think of it as peace. It is so far beyond peace. God's shalom is really, that word is a way of describing something, God, completeness and wholeness and, and, and actually flourishing in creation. Not just the flourishing of human life, but all of creation, all of the systems of creation flourishing. I'm not talking about just the trees and nature creation. I'm talking about all of creation that even humans make. Culture that flourishes. Culture that's whole and that's complete. And so that's our broad purpose as image bearers. Well, today we're going to jump into our unique purpose. Our unique purpose. And it's, uh, you could, and it's a lot of, in, in scripture, even people refer to it as our calling. Or some people might refer to it as our vocation. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. How many of you know artists, like any kind of artist, like a theater person or like an artist, artist that paints or a photographer or a writer or a musician or a poet. Now here's the unique thing about artists, because if you know a real artist, even if they don't have a job in their industry, they might not be working. If you talk to Candace Fiorentino, she is an actor, whether she's working in an acting gig or not. Isn't this true, Candace? Yes, it is. But it's true. Artists, if you know artists, even if they don't have a job in that industry, they still call themselves an artist. Isn't this true? It's true. It's just weird about artists. And there's other fields that do, but artists, I think, are a really good example of this. And, and why is that? Well, it's because artists... It's, it's a way of life. It, it doesn't hinge on a job. It's who they are. It's their vocation. Now, that word vocation is kind of a weird word. Maybe you heard it in school. It was vocation day. You know, pick a job or your career. That's actually not what it is. The word vocation, it's this, it comes from this, it's an old Latin word, vocare, and it literally means calling. Your calling your calling is the unique way that God has created you and I to reflect him. See, it has very little to do with a job. See, a job is an assignment that you've been given. It's kind of work that you've been given that can be measured or evaluated. So in other words, you've been given a job to fix a car. You can tell whether it's been done or not. You've been given an assignment to do homework. It's either done or it's not. You've been, you know, whatever. Maybe you're signing on new clients for your business. You can tell if they're there or they're not. Or maybe it's, you know, you're keeping the children alive. Yes, they're still all breathing today. Woohoo! We won. We completed the job today. 
But calling is something different. Now, calling can look like a job, but it's so much bigger than a job. And you know what? I think this is so, this is actually really good news, especially in this kind of time and place, this season that we're in, 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 in our nation and in, in different parts of the world where joblessness or the threat of it is actually quite high and can be scary. But the thing is about calling, you're, you can still live in your calling because your calling isn't connected to your job or even job satisfaction. So even if you have a job and you hate it, you can still live called. And see, living called, living this vocational life is a way that we actually experience fulfillment because we live, we're living. When you live in calling, you're living in the way God created and designed you. That unique role he created you for. Because here's the first point. Vocation or calling is God-initiated. Vocation or your calling is God-initiated. It is not restricted to the time or the place or what our world is in. It's not bound to those types of restrictions. 2 Timothy 1.9, it says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Your calling is holy. And that word holy, it doesn't mean super spiritual. It means set apart. In other words, it's special. You have a special calling on your life. You have a very special calling on your life. Maybe you've never thought of that before. Maybe you're sitting there, you just got laid off. You haven't had a job for months or for a year. Or you're just graduated from high school or university. And you're like, the job prospects aren't looking good. Your calling is vital. You have a vital calling from God. It is a special set-apart calling. It's not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. Look at these last three words. Before. Before time began. Your calling is not bound to the restrictions of this world, this time, or even this place. That means you don't need to go looking for your calling somewhere else. You can live your calling right where you're at. See, the reality is you can go to university and get a career. But university does not dictate, it does not direct, and it does not hinder your calling. University can give you a career, maybe, but university will never give you a calling, and it can never hinder, and it can never restrict your calling. So you might be called to be a teacher and never get a degree and never teach in a single classroom, and you can still be living out your calling because you have an, a unique and amazing and incredible way of maybe helping new Jesus followers understand how confusing, understand the Bible. That can be really confusing. You might be called to be a coach and never coach a single sports team and still be living in your calling because, let's say, on your job, you have, very, you have great patience and skill in helping all the newbies become really skilled in the work that they're doing. You might be called to be a preacher and never preach from a single platform and still live in your calling. 
Because you have such a way of telling and retelling Jesus stories that your clients, they just keep asking questions and they just keep wanting, they want to know more and more about your faith and what is this. And you, here's another one. You may never, or you might be called to raise up the next generation and never have kids of your own. And you can still live in your calling. Because everywhere you go, kids flock to you. Kids just want to be around you. You get them more than you get adults. It's just like, I just want to be with the kids. And you know what? This is for every woman that's out there. I believe you are called to motherhood. Even though you may never have biological children of your own. And still live in your calling. Because motherhood is not about biology. Motherhood is a vocation. It's an honorable vocation where you make a decision to be intentionally pouring into and being a life giver and caregiver to others. That's what a mother is, nurturing and caring and loving for people. And see, Paul is another great example of this. The apostle Paul from the Bible, he had two jobs. He was a Pharisee, which was a religious leader, and he was, he, which he did most of his life. He did that job. He also had a second job as a tent maker. We don't know how long he actually worked in that job, but he talks about doing that on his missionary journeys. It was one of those take you with you kind of jobs. But Paul, he had a calling. Look at Romans 1.1. From Paul... And this is how, not just in Romans, but he started many of his letters this way. From Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus and an apostle chosen and called by God to preach his good news. Isn't that great? Paul recognized, I am an apostle chosen and called by God to preach his good news. And he could do that in a lot of different formats, a lot of different ways. Because see, calling is about the unique role that we have in, in how God designed us to live out his story. It's, it's unique. It's about who God says we are and who he enables us to be as we live on mission with him, as we reflect who he is and what he's up to. John Mark Comer, great pastor, great author, he describes calling this way. He says it's a way that God wired us, somebody to be and something to do. Somebody to be and something to do. Ephesians 2.10, this is the explanation. God has made us what we are. God has made you what you are. God has created us in King Jesus for the good works. Works are important. They don't get you saved, but they're important. God has created us in King Jesus for the good works that he prepared ahead of time as the road we must travel. Man, I just love that. See, before you were born, God was preparing specific things that you and I would do in this time, knowing exactly what we were going to be living in right at this moment. Job or not, career or not, homeschool or online or wherever you're at. <laughs> you know, it's like God knew exactly what was going to be happening at this time. I love what Galatians 6.4 in the Passion Translation says, let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them to do with excellence and their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves. I love that, being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. So how do you discover calling? How do you discover that? Okay, Mike brought this up. He kind of touched on it briefly a couple weeks ago. And today we're going to dive into it a bit more. Is that okay? You ready to go? And as I pause, I'm going to take a drink and you can make some funny emoji faces in comments. All right, 
Here is the first thing. How do you discover calling? Number one, it starts by listening to God. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm not talking about this big epiphany moment or I got a word from God that I'm called to be a lawyer or whatever, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's fun fact, actually. I can honestly say I have never heard or even felt this specific thing. You're called to be a pastor. I never had that epiphany moment. My husband did. This is a lot different. But I never did. You know how I ended up here? I was just obedient to every step God presented me to take. And I followed the breadcrumbs. You follow the breadcrumbs. That's number two. Follow the breadcrumbs. God leaves us little breadcrumbs that are like a trail leading us to him because he never wants us. We can never discover our calling. We can never live in that place of fulfillment outside of knowing him first. But then it's also those little trail of breadcrumbs that lead us into his goodness for us, which is his purpose. So what are those breadcrumbs? I'm going to give you four A's. There's others, but these kind of are like four big categories that you can look for that can help you determine, God, what is my calling? What might my calling be? And let me just say, this isn't like, you know, those tests that you take and you figure out it's like, I've got this gift, this gift, this gift. Here's the careers, match them up. That's not how this works. This is actually a lifetime thing. And I can honestly say, am I old? Am I? What year is it? 21. It's almost 30 years. Almost 30 years, actually it is the 30 years of really following Jesus. Or is it more than that? Oh, it's almost 40 years. <laughs> somewhere in there. It's a long time. I'm saying yes to Jesus. No, it can't be that. Somewhere in there. I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> See, it's a lot of years. Oh, I can honestly say that's what I was going to say. This far in, I'm starting to sort of get an idea of what my calling is. Honestly. Honestly. So it's a lifetime thing, but here's where you can start. First of all, what, first breadcrumb, what are your abilities? In other words, what are you good at? What are you good at? Here's something to think about. What is your first memory? And you might want to write some things down, not now, but you can go back, listen to this, whatever. It's in the notes, too, if you want to download it on the app and just maybe make, take some time and think about it over the next however long. But what is your first memory of being good at something? What's your first memory of being good at something? Sometimes that can be an indicator. I know what it was for me. I remember coming home from kindergarten and I drew this colored, it was like with crayons, it was a picture of pussy willows in a vase. And my mom like about fell over backwards. She's like, oh my gosh, Monica, that's so great. That's beautiful. This is amazing. And I was just like, really? I just drew pussy willows. <laughs> and my sister who was younger than me, she was the artist. She was always really, really good. I was just like drawing these things because it's like, oh, I got cool crayons. I got the metallic silver crayon. And I could draw these really special. My mom took that picture and she, do you remember decoupage? How many of you remember decoupage from the 70s? She decoupaged it on a board and I think I still have that in my treasure box. That did something. You know what moms, you can have there a real significant part in helping your kids discover breadcrumbs about their calling. I know part of my calling has to do with being an artist, to be a, being a creative. We'll say that, being a creative. But here's some other questions to discover your abilities. Where do you see fruit? 
Maybe even take time. Where, do you, where did you see the most fruit in your life when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when you were a young adult, when you were midlife or wherever you were at? Where did you see? What did that fruit look like? Is there a common theme in that fruit? Maybe the most time you felt fruitful, it always had to do with there were children around and not just the fruit of your womb. But there were always kids around. Or maybe the most fruit in your life was where you were in it had a particular job. Maybe it was a job that was always in some kind of service industry. Here's another thing. What do others constantly tell you you're good at? See, the thing about calling is we never discover it just in our own. It's never just us. We need the voices of others because a lot of times people see stuff in us that we are blind to. We don't see. So what are your abilities? Here's the second one. Your affections. What do you care about? Now, this is positive and pain. So what brings you joy? What makes you mad? What brings you sadness? What do you get sad about? And here's the thing, sometimes, this is how it works, sometimes God makes us overly sensitive about a particular issue. And that oversensitivity can be, can be kind of like a pointer of, towards the direction of what our calling might be involved. Now that's great, the downside is we can get really mad and frustrated with people around us because they don't share that same sensitivity. Why don't you see this? Why aren't you doing so? You don't care about me. You're not supporting me. And you know what? Unfortunately, a lot of times, even in the church, well, the church needs to do something about the church. Why isn't the church? And if you've ever been mad at the church and one, because the church wasn't doing this, you know what? That's probably a really good indication of where you're called. It might not be the church. And sometimes it is. But a lot of times, it's an indication of what God's called you and maybe others in your community to be a part of. But our sensitivities can be an indication of our affections. Here's the next one, our aches. Our aches is another breadcrumb. Where have you encountered the pain and brokenness of the world? Where have you encountered the pain and brokenness of the world? See, how do you respond when there's so many when there's so many wounds in our world? There's just so much need. Like, where do you start? Like, you want to help everybody, but you honestly can't. And so think about what are your personal experiences of pain? What are your personal struggles, things that you've overcome? Maybe you personally experienced abuse or divorce or rejection or infertility or struggled with addiction and, and and this even if you haven't overcome that that can still be an indication of what you're called to where have you had close encounters maybe not your own pain but maybe you've had a close encounter with the pain of somebody else maybe your friends at school are all struggling with a particular thing or struggling in a particular area. And that can be an indication. Man, when we're close to others who are struggling in pain, sometimes those experiences aren't random. Sometimes God bringing us close to others in pain is God's way of making or focusing us on what could be part of our calling. See, 2 Corinthians 1, 4 it says, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. So you're going to be the most fruitful in your life in those places where you're engaging the problems that you have experienced. That's where you're going to experience some of the most fruit. And see, when we live called, living called isn't just about enjoying what we're doing. 
Living called is also about engaging in something that pushes back against the, it's what's called like the thorns and thistles of our broken world. That something that we're doing that can push back against the pain of the world in a way as a sign to show that you know this is not right, but I'm going to do something about it as a sign, as a way that points to how things are eventually going to be when Jesus returns and makes everything new. See, that's why we do certain things. It's not to make us feel good. It's so that we can be pointing out to the world, you know what? Yes, things are broken. Yes, things don't work in our world. But this is who Jesus is. And someday he's coming back and he's going to make it right. And this is one of the ways that here's a window into how he can make it right. How can you use your skills and passions to meet the pain of the world? And here's the fourth one. I love this one. Man, what are your anchors? What are the realistic circumstances or limitations of your current life? They might be physical. They might be relational. They might be economic, they might be financial, they might be credentials, you don't have enough education. They might be geographical realities. So here's some of the questions. What are those physical limitations? What are some of the commitments you have? Maybe this is a season where you're raising little ones or you're caring for someone who's sick or you're caring for an elderly parent. That's a very, can be a very real limitation. Credentials. Maybe you just don't have education or work experience. What ways does your place limit you? Maybe you've needed to isolate in place for some very big reasons. Anchors are what bring focus and eliminate options for us. Now, a lot of times we think anchors are bad because anchors, you know, sometimes we feel like the anchor's on our neck and it's making us sink. You know, I don't have a job. I don't have an education. I'll never be able to. I'll never be able to. I don't have this opportunity. I have this in my past. I'll never be able to. We can look at those things as anchors to drown us, but actually God can use those anchors to bring focus. Think of this, for example, Apostle Paul. What a great example. He was a missionary machine and he could have reached so many more people, but he ends up in prison. But what did he do in prison? He wrote letters. He wrote letters that were actually more than letters. And at the time, I don't know if you realized it or not, but they were Holy Spirit-breathed correspondence to the churches that became part of the Holy Scriptures. And guess what? He's reaching billions more people than what he would have had he never ended up in prison. He probably, knowing Paul, he probably would have been too busy to sit down and write. Here's another one. If you read about Paul in 2 Corinthians, he, he talks about something called a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know if it was physical, if it was mental. Well, we don't even know what it was. Could have been a person. Who knows? But over and over, Paul says, he said, I asked God to take away this thorn. God said, nope. <laughs> you know, Paul could have looked at that. That's, a, that's an anchor. It's terrible. It's going to make me sink. I'm never going to be able to do the call of God on my life. But you know what that was? That anchor actually kept him dependent on God's grace. It kept him and it focused him and kept him from becoming what could have easily been, man, the success he saw and even being raised as a Pharisee. There was a lot of pride he had to work through. But that thing kept him from getting, you know, totally overcome by pride or taken out of the race by something else. It made him dependent on God. 
See, our anchors might be God's way of focusing us on opportunities right in front of us that are there right now. So, what do you do? Now what? Well, like I said, this is not a formula, but I would encourage you, if you don't already have the City Life app, grab the app so you can go through some of these points again and these notes and just take some time over the next couple days, the next couple weeks of being a little bit more restricted than maybe what you have been. Take some time and just do some thinking. Think about what are my abilities? What are my affections? What are, you know, those things that I'm actually, what are the anchors of my life? What are the aches and pains that I've experienced? And really take, go through these. But here's another thing. Do this. These four A's, they're like a lens to help us see what God is doing and where he's working. Do something. Take some kind of action so you resist the paralysis of analysis. And here's where to start. Here's a couple of just practical things. Focus. What are these three things? What do you think your place might be? Who might your people be? And what is the problem that you could bring shalom to, maybe even this week? And it's something as simple. Start by just doing a time tracker of your day or of your week. And just write down, where do you, what kind of activities, who do you spend the most time at? Where are you located throughout the week? And then take a look, all of those places, where do you spend the most time? Who, what kind of people are you with? Look and see if you see any particular themes or common themes in there. Those can be an indication little breadcrumbs of where God's directing you. And you can see, man, what are those? What could be my people, my place, and the problem that I could bring God's shalom to? And let me just end with this. You know, there's always going to be a bit of mystery to our calling. And you know what? If you think you've got your calling figured out, you've only barely cracked the tip of the iceberg. Because God doesn't want to just give us this, whoop, there's your calling, like a work assignment. He wants to keep, there's always going to be questions. There's always going to be this air of mystery about it because God wants us dependent on him. He doesn't want us to just get our work order and go run and do our thing. I love what in the book, The Symphony of Mission, I want to encourage you, man, if, if you want a book that's more along, this is from one the version of one of the chapters. There's so much in that book about our calling, our passion, our, our purpose and mission of be following Jesus. But this is what said. God wants to relate. God wants us to relate to him as children who draw near to our father independence rather than contractors carrying out a work order. You know, more than anything, God has got a heart of love. His Father's heart for you is as one of His special children, and I want to pray for you where, wherever you're at, whether you're tuning in today on Sunday on Mother's Day or tuning in later in the week, I really believe that God is going to stir something. I hope this bugs you because if this whole message bugs you and you got mad at it because I'm tired of hearing about calling, that's actually a really good indication that God's stirring and starting something in you, and you're so close to discovering your unique expression of who God created you to be. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you. God, for the wonderful, oh God, your amazing love, your amazing grace, your amazing attention to the detail of who you created, all of us 7.8 
billion and counting people to reflect you. Our reflection is needed. And God, I just speak that over any individual who would be second guessing at their, why am I here? Those that are struggling with their purpose, are struggling with even their identity of who am I and what's my life about? And maybe I was an accident and I don't even know if I was supposed to be here. God, I just speak a, even just an awareness of your intentional love and your intentional purpose for every single one of us. And God, that even we, there would be that stirring in us to engage with you in a fresh way to know our calling, to discover who you've created and called us to be and what you've called us to do so that we can bring about your shalom, your wholeness, your completeness, your flourishing into the world that we live in wherever we're at. And you know, one more prayer that I want to invite online to pray in the room as well that can we pray this prayer it's just a prayer like I said before we can never discover our calling apart from a relationship with Jesus you can't get it you might just get stuck with the career and that's so small God wants to bring you into this big thing called calling his calling on your life and it starts with knowing him the one who made you and so if you've never made that decision to follow him. I want to invite us all, if we could pray this prayer together and online, pray it with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done. God, thank you for the unique way that you've created me and the unique way you've designed me to reflect you. I say yes to following you and I thank you for a new start today. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.